Good afternoon, Rotobonners. How you doing out there? Pete Davidson here. Wilco bringing us in with Theologians. Don't know nothing about my soul. Um, I was looking at a couple different songs for the lead-in. I almost used uh, Kink's Big Sky. because this, this week's slate is sort of like a big sky, where it's like you can't look at the whole thing at once. There's so much out there. There's so many things to consider. Um, it's, you know, as I said last week, we, we want to sweep the corners every week in, DF, in DFS. And man, this is really one of those weeks where I felt like I really needed to sweep the corners. And I really have. I've spent pretty much like the last 36 hours just just absolutely scrounging and looking at this from different angles and, and collecting injury information and such. Um, and as much as I want to turn this podcast into a victory lap off of last week, I hope you guys did as well as I did. It was, it was a good feeling. Um, almost everything worked. Nothing went sky high, but like everything worked. Um, and you know, what we don't want to do this week is let up. We don't want to do less work. And the, the one thing I would encourage you to do, if you're going to play this week, you got to go in with both feet. Do not half-ass this week. You got to know the whole slate. There, there are so many reasons to do so many different things on this slate. It's one of those weeks where I wish I could put out a hundred lineups, but I don't have the capacity to do it. I, I can't keep that much straight in my head, and I'm not a multi-entry kind of person. Um, so we're gonna just say we had a good la- week last week. We're not gonna get into the specifics because we just have too much to cover. Um, I'm gonna do a full slate walk here. At the end, if I have some time, if I don't go over an hour, I will get into some play groups and stuff like that. Um, there is a possibility of a tomorrow morning podcast just because, and I don't think I'm gonna do it, but I just wanna give you guys a heads up, You know, maybe look for it on the timeline. Um, if for some reason a few things click for me and I find some stuff I really like, I wanna share it. Um, but apart from that, uh, I'm pretty prepared right now. It's really about where lineup construction is going to take me. And quite honestly, even if I woke up early tomorrow morning and did a, a podcast on where I moved, you know, from <laughs> from Saturday afternoon to Sunday morning, I'm still going to move more from Sunday morning to lineup lock. So um, there's no way for me to tell you that lineup lock is in you don't have time. So uh, I'm pretty well prepared. I've got the slate, I think, where I want it. Now it's a matter of using that information, of using all the things we know. Uh, to create smart lineups. Um, and I'm going to get to some of the, sort of my my themes on the week uh, at the end if I don't hit them. I'm going to try to sort of hit things that pertain to each game as we go through uh, on the slate walk. So a little theory with some of these games uh, as we go through the logistics. Okay? Um, and this will be a little bit disjointed. I'll probably have to pause a couple times. I don't pause that much when I podcast. There was one bad edit in last week for those who caught it. Not not too bad, but you could tell you could tell there was an edit there. Um, this week there will probably be more edits than usual because I'm going to want to reload some of these games and make sure I've got all my ducks in a row before I start talking. Anyway, um, hopefully this is, I'm really hoping to get this done inside of 60 minutes because I want, because I know this is a week where I really want you guys to spend some time thinking on your own. I don't want you to spend all your time listening to me. I, I, I want to load you up with good information and then, you know, uh, spur your creativity. All right, so let's get into this. Uh, the first game up on my docket, not the most exciting game out there to be honest. We'll get this, we'll get through this one fairly quick. Um, going through the one o'clock games first, starting with the Giants at the Bears. So this, 
game actually is sort of intriguing in that I can't totally put my finger on how it's going to play out from like a pace perspective. Like maybe this game could pick up a little bit. I don't think either team can really go like run heavy here, you know, in that Montgomery probably isn't ready for a huge workload. Um, so I think both teams have to throw a fair amount. Hopefully that keeps the clock running a little bit. Um, the Bears are favored here, but quite honestly, I think this game's a, you know, is a toss up to me. If the Giants show up and play well, I think they win. Um, you know, I, the things we really need to hit here are, look, I'm not playing Ingram this week. Nobody is, but he's probably a really sneaky GPP play because Bears are a little bit tight end uh, uh, weak. You know, you can, you can do a lot of damage as a tight end against the Bears. Uh, I think Slayton um, is still in play this week at 5K, and I don't know how many people will play him, um, and which is interesting given that he went off last week. But I think Slayton should, should stay in your... Uh, window, if you will. Uh, don't ever forget about Slayton. Um, it, I don't. Again, I don't know that it's really a week to play him, but I definitely think he needs to be in consideration. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, I think you know, I'm, I can't figure out a reason to play Trubisky without stacking a Rob with him. Um, if you really, for some reason, thought Miller was going to go off, you could, you know, the same would apply to Miller. Um, my problem with Miller is, I mean, you guys know I'm a huge fan of Anthony Miller's game. I don't know why the Bears don't love him as much as I do, but he didn't play enough snaps last week. You know, once they got into a place where they needed to throw, anytime he was on the field, he was one of the top two targets. That's still going to be the case. But I just don't get it. I don't get why he's not playing more. I don't know if they're trying to ease his shoulder back. I don't know what's going on there. But I'm a little, you know, the lack of snaps has me a little bit hesitant to play Miller. Otherwise, I would consider it, um... I, anyway, I think, you know, A-Rod's a reasonable play here, but I think if you do it, you almost have to throw Trubisky's low cost in with him because I don't think, if A-Rod hits, Trubisky almost has to hit, I think. When you throw in the fact that he's probably going to run as well um, and then, you know, throws to Miller there, help us get Trubisky up to where we need him to be. So I think the Trubisky-A-Rod stack is in play. Uh, the only problem is that this is a week where, you know, I don't know if I love that stack enough. There's there's too many other things out there that are really good. Uh, the one advantage to a Trubisky Arab stack is you're going to be going against a very thick field. You're going to be way off the field if it hits. Um, but it's risky. Um, risky Trubisky. Uh, on the other side, you know, as I said, Ingram and Slayton. I think Slayton will get a fair amount of ownership. I think. I think people are going to be so focused on some other things they may sort of forget about Slayton. And I think at least some GPP exposure to Slayton makes sense. But I think Saquon's the interesting player in this game, to me. Um, much better matchup than last week. Clearly this guy's going to be heavily motivated to make some plays. I mean, obviously all players are always motivated, but you know Saquon's got the kind of talent where if he's really laser-focused, he can do some things just on sheer will. Um, but that's not the point. The, the point is that I don't think anyone's playing Barkley. So if you want to just be a little bit crafty in a GPP, and you have to pay up to get to a guy who I think most people don't have any faith in this week, but you're still talking about one of the most talented players. Uh, if the Vegas line holds true, he's probably going to be getting a lot of targets in the second half, and he only needs really just a reasonable amount of volume and then one big play to conceivably pay off. Um you know, meaning if he can hit his yardage bonus and then make the big play, he can pay off and you might be the only, you know, one of the only people who's really using him. So, uh, I, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to use any Saquon this week, but I think it would be silly to not consider him, um, you know, as sort of an ownership-related play in GPPs. Okay, 
don't have a whole lot more uh, for the Giants and the Bears. And again, this is a day where we're going to be uh, short for time. So let's move on. So uh, with the Giants and the Bears uh, in our review mirror, we can move on to what I think is going to be the central um, NFL game um, that people are going to be looking at uh, this week. I know for me, I think pretty much with all my lineup builds, I'm going to be starting with how I approach this game and then sort of working out from there. Now that doesn't mean I'm going to be Falcons Cowboys heavy on every single you know lineup that I create. I do think I'm going to have a piece from this game in almost every lineup I, I build. Um, I mean, maybe I might do a couple sort of outside the uh, the general realm <laughs> kind of builds, but for the most part, this game is just too hot to not be involved in it. I mean, you know, the, the Cowboys are going to be without Leighton Vander Esch. Um, so right away we know that the Falcons are going to have multiple ways to attack. Um, Van Der Esch covers tight ends, so I think Hayden Hurst moves back into the picture this week. Uh, and and look, that's one way to go after this game. Like you, if you you know if you're like, hey, I know this 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 Cowboy Falcons game is Vegas has got it way up there. Both teams have weaknesses that can be attacked by the other team. The, the idea of either offense being shut down completely is really almost far fetched at this point. Dallas's line means they're probably not going to be able to run or pass exclusively. They're going to have to be uh, two handed because they're going to need that two handedness. Because normally Dallas can just dictate and do whatever the heck they want. That's not going to be the case with all their offensive line injuries. So we look at this game. There's so many reasons to get involved, right? Um, you know, the loss of Jarwin is going to Jarwin Jarwin is going to tighten up target distribution on the Cowboys. So it's easier to go after one of those three receivers because you don't have to worry about the tight ends going to Jarwin. Um, obviously, Elliott is locked in a stud at 8,200. You know, I, I'm going to have to really have a reason to not have him in any lineup, right? Um, so really, you know, a Zeke Hurst approach in this game. Like if you're like, hey, I'm going to fade the passing games just because, hey, if it works, I'm going to be ahead of the field. That's really not the dumbest idea in the world. It's, you know, it's, it's I think, more often than not going to get you into trouble. But if it works, you're going to be in an interesting situation. Um, but even in a scenario where you're sort of fading this game, you know, again, you could play like you know, Zeke and Hurst, like that in a way is fading both passing games. So that really is a fade, but you're still involved, right? Because here's the thing, like, I just don't see any way this game isn't scoring points. It, maybe it doesn't score the points in the way we want it to. Maybe the Falcons come in and say, hey, Van Der Esch isn't there. You know, we're going to we're gonna run their defense down the field. We're going to pound Gurley. You know, we're going to hit Hurst underneath. We're going to control the ball or, or something like that. I mean, I don't think that's what the Falcons are going to do. But even if they did that, I think they're going to end up scoring a fair amount of points. Um, so I think this is a game you just, you always want to sort of be touching it. <laughs> you know, I, you know whether it's just with Zeke or whether it's, you know, just with Julio. Um, you know, the one thing I'm not doing here, and, you know, just good information for you guys, because anytime I touch Matty Ice, he, he, he melts. Um, so I'm definitely not going to be on Matty Ice, although I will be getting access uh, to all of his passing yards through his receivers, um, and really Dak, I don't, I think Dak's a really good play, but I don't, I mean, I think he's going to be so heavily owned, again, I may try to access Dak through his receivers, I mean, I'll have, I'll have some Dak lineups, I will, but I'm, I'm not going to be going heavy in that direction, um, you know, so again, this game really comes down to, you know, you can onslaught it, you can, you know, take a quarterback, uh, you know, take one or two of his receivers and then a correlation piece on the other side. Um, you can start with one of the ground games and work from there. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get into 
you know, what kind of pieces you want in this game. I think from a standpoint of ownership, obviously Zeke, I think, is going to be owned a ton. I think C.D. Lamb, because if you look at the Cowboys receivers, they all have, like, you know, some appeal. Obviously, Cooper, I think, uh, from an efficiency standpoint, Cooper's going to kill these guys. Whether he's going to get enough targets to make it pay off heavy at 6,300 units, don't know. Uh, Gallup, I think, you know, whatever targets he gets, I think are going to be successful targets. You know, how many does he need to pay off at 5,600? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Gallup in a GPP makes tons of sense. C.D. Lamb at 47, shiny, you know, shiny object. Everybody likes C.D. Lamb. Um, and he's the cheapest of the three. Uh, he'll be working the slot against a team where you can crush the slot. All, you can make strong arguments for all three of the receivers. But, and on some level, therein lies the rub, right? Like, So I think this is a weak... Like, I wouldn't be like, yeah, I'm just getting behind Amari Cooper this week. I mean, hey, if it works, it's great. But if it doesn't work, you're screwed. And, you know, the same kind of thing if you go full gallop. Um, now, full lamb, you pay down enough where maybe that doesn't hurt you if it doesn't work. And I think his slot role is going to... Like, the idea that lamb hurts you at 4700 probably not. But I don't know that you're gaining much on the field because I think he's going to be, you know, heavily owned. So you sort of want to find ways to, you know to get into this Dallas thing without, you know, committing to one stream because as, and because that's the problem with this game. There's going to be a ton of points. The prices are all really low. I mean, for, with the exception of like Ridley at 68 and I, I, there's nothing wrong with Ridley at 68. Don't get me wrong. It's, but you know, like I, you know, Cooper at 63, that just seems dirt cheap. Gallup at 56, dirt cheap. C.D. Lamb at 47, dirt cheap. I think Julio at 74 is dirt cheap. Gurley, for I think what you're going to get, is probably inexpensive. And Zeke, even though he's priced up, I don't. his stat line is going to be hard to get in other places. So he's going to be a guy I want in my lineup. So there, there's so many compelling reasons to play all of these players. you know. And I think you really should try to get a taste um, or a piece of a lot of these guys. But the ones I'm really committed to uh, are Julio and Zeke. And then I'm going to try to sort of feather the other guys around. I really like the idea of getting Hurst in some lineups, um, especially if I'm sort of fading. Like if a particular lineup of mine is fading this game a little bit, I like the Hurst angle on that. Um, but the bottom line is if you avoid this game with all your lineups and it hits the way it looks like it could hit, you're in trouble. So, you know, if you're going away from this game, man, have a plan, have a reason. <laughs> like this game should be like even when this game isn't big on your lineup it needs to be big in your mind if that makes any sense um i will touch on some of these players again later on if i have the time already i can see this thing going long so let's move on um to the lions at green bay so this is another compelling game in that you have to think about this game anytime you're building a lineup this week you have to think about aaron Rodgers, this offense the way it looks like it's shifting towards the pass, and the fact that the Lions aren't going to do anything to make them think about switching back to the run. Um, I mean, <laughs> you know, Trufant is out. Justin Coleman is on IR. Um, you know, Daryl Roberts, their fourth corner, has a sore cap. The guys who are on the field aren't going to be 100% healthy. Key guys are off the field. This team got lit up in the passing game last week, and now they're going up against a team well, I mean, the Lions didn't get lit up so much as they gave Trubisky the opportunity to light them up, and he had a, air quote, good day. If Trubisky had been anything resembling accurate, you know, half of Detroit's players would have been, you know, they wouldn't have been on the plane on the ride home. Um, 
So this team is is more open for the taking, maybe even than last week's statistics would have indicated. Okay, um, and now you've got. Rodgers coming in with, uh, you know, a smoking hot Devontae Adams. Um, and obviously, I think a lot of people are probably just going to, like, stack that and roll with it, um, you know, just playing off of last week's numbers. And look, <laughs> it's really not a bad move. I mean, I want to say, oh, don't do that. Don't chase. But, you know, or don't, you know, don't let recency bias, you know, color your thinking. But the truth of the matter is the only thing that's going to slow Rodgers down here, I think, is game flow. You know, they could get so far ahead that they just go to the run. Um, and, and so, and when you've got Adams priced up at 8,100, I suppose there is some risk there if that happens or if he happens to hit uh, the other way. So, you know, that's something we have to discuss here. Everybody and their mother who missed Devontae Adams last week, which is a lot of people, not us, but a lot of people, they're going to want to play Devontae this week. So even though it's a good play, pivoting off of that can work for you because at 8100 Adams can have a good day and it's not going to be a day that you need to do really well so in let you know you know the odds on him going for 44 again are not real good now could he hit for 30 oh yeah he could hit for <laughs> he can hit for 30 without breaking a sweat um and if he does certainly it won't be a bad play but you know what what if Adams just doesn't find the zone you know he he could be Nine targets for 120 yards, a good solid day, but nothing that's going to pay the bills at his price tag. Meanwhile, you know, the touchdowns go to Aaron Jones um, and, you know, MVS or, you know, whatever. Maybe Rodgers runs one in or, you know, if, if the touchdowns don't find him and Green Bay smokes Detroit and is able to go to the run, you could be in trouble. So th- I think... You know, having some Adams in your GPP lineups makes sense. I think I'm probably going to go the other way and put him in my cash lineup and then try to use the other uh, Packers in my GPP lineups. I think MVS makes a lot of sense at 46. That's so low, given what he did last week against a team that's not... I mean, he can drop two balls this week. He can still have a big day, just like he did last week. Uh, and then I think, you know, Aaron Jones at 7,100 units... It, Everybody and their mother is going to have their eyes on the big three running backs this week, right? Everybody's going to want to play Zeke, Derrick Henry, and Taylor, okay? So, you know, Taylor, the Colts are going to smash. Taylor's at 5,700. Marlon Mack is out. Um, Minnesota didn't defend the run very well last week. So there's every reason in the world to play Jonathan Taylor. Every reason in the world, and I'm not telling you not to, but my approach probably is going to be similar to Adams, where I think everybody's running to him this week, strong FOMO vibe, right? Fear of missing out. I don't want to be, you know, cheap Jonathan Taylor. He makes his first, you know, monster game of his NFL career, and I'm sitting there where I didn't play him. Well, guess what? Everybody's thinking that. Everybody. And I include myself (laughs) in everybody. But the thing is, while I'm thinking it, I'm also thinking... Okay, there are, there are scenarios here where he doesn't pay off the way we think he will. Now, at 5,700, is he going to hurt you? Very unlikely. Very unlikely. So I'm sort of thinking Taylor and Cash and then get access to this offense via, via T.Y. Hilton and to an even stronger degree, Paris Campbell. Okay, now, we do need Minnesota to help a little bit on this one. Like, to get... Campbell and Hilton off to the degree we want them to go off. We need Minnesota to not completely suck. 
Now Vegas has them at 22.75, and if we get if we if Vegas is just close, we're fine. If if Minnesota just puts up 10 points in the first half, I think we're okay. But the 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 nightmare scenario is when they can go to freaking Wilkins as their running back up 30 points. If that happens, we're in trouble. So I don't want to overbuild on this game. I don't want to have Paris Campbell in every single lineup, but at 4,500 units, I want him in a lot of lineups. We talked about why um, when we went through the waiver wire. We talked about why when I went through uh, the lineup rankings. Um, but it's that slot role, and now we have to add in the fact that this team is going to get hurt on the back end, the Vikings. They don't have a pass rush. Meanwhile, the Colts protect well. And we've got Doyle out. We've got uh, the other rookie banged up. We don't know if he's going to make the start, right? So when you start to look at this, you see, wow, you know, this thing could really filter to Paris Campbell. Um, and, and obviously to Hilton if we get um, the targets. You know, I mean, Zach, pa- I mean, if, if Pittman doesn't play, then we have to worry about Pascal a little bit. It's almost better if Pittman is playing hurt. Um, but, you know, to me, even, I'm not even, to be honest, I'm not even that worried about what's going on um, with, you know, Pittman and Pascal and all that stuff because Campbell, Campbell's role is going to be what makes it here for him. And in this, that slot role with Rivers is so good. And when you look at it against this defense, man, how many times do we need to get Paris Campbell out into the open against Minnesota's back end and have him make a big play? I mean, I... It might happen every single time. So, the Paris Campbell, there are a ton of receivers. I mean, I mentioned it before I even got heavy into my research. Just go back and look at the wide receiver rankings. I had a whole bunch of guys I liked in Paris Campbell's price range, and we're going to talk about most of them. But few of them have that, have the whole picture, right? A situation where he's, you know, right there to put up the numbers and a defense that's ripe for the taking, and a price tag that allows us to do pretty much whatever we want with him. So, you know, if you're not playing Paris Campbell, that's okay. But you should sort of know why you're not playing Paris Campbell. Now, one, I'm just going to hit this because I don't want to forget. Uh, two of my favorite players are at the same price. Anytime I do that, I tend to try to make one lineup that fits both players. Uh, this week, if I can make a lineup that is just perfect and lacks only a 4,500 unit wide receiver, I'm probably going to run that that lineup with Campbell, and then I'm going to try it again with Deontay. Okay? Because I just think, you know, the, the way this thing is set up, um, I mean, when, when I say Deontay, I mean Deontay Johnson. Um, when you look at the way this is set up, Deontay, 10 targets last week, you know, because it was on Monday Night Football, they didn't adjust. They weren't able to adjust the price, um, and you know this thing is just. I mean, this thing it looks really good. Um, now, look, could it roll the juju? Sure. Um, you know, is Deontay a lock? No, he's not a lock. But I mean, he's cash viable at that price. Um, and you know, the one thing about I think Deontay probably even more so than Paris is he's going to be heavily owned. Um, but to me, if I can, again, if I can make perfect lineups and then have one sort of dependent on Paris making some big plays and the other on Deontay, man, I've got a lot of chances to make that hit. So for what it's worth, um, now on the Minnesota side of this game, um, you know, the Colts have such a huge edge in all facets here. Their offensive line is going to dominate. 
Um, remember, D- Daniel Hunter's out again for the Vikings. They're gonna, Minnesota is going to get dominated in the trenches on both sides here. Um, so I'm not real keen on picking up any of their pieces unless I want to do some type of correlation thing. If I make a Philip Rivers lineup or something like that, maybe I bring back Thielen. But apart from something, I mean, obviously Cook's always in play too. But really, for me, for the most part, um, I want to just get some Colt pieces into lineups. Um, you know, some Taylor, some T.Y., some Paris. And I think, you know, Mo Cox is also worthy of mention in that he's the only tight end going, and this team likes to throw to his tight ends. He's down there near the floor at 3K. Uh, so Mo Cox at 3K is the one other piece in this game we need to, um, you know, we need to consider. Um, last thing I will say here is that I haven't heard anybody else talk about it. Uh, there are a lot of things we can do on defense this week. I'll go through the defenses later. Um, but I think the Colts have 2,500 units in that they are home. They should dominate both sides of the ball in the trenches. At some point, this game could evolve uh, into a situation where the Colts are sitting back knowing what's coming, and that's always a good situation to be in. And if I have a defense at 2,500 units that I feel is a good chance to be in that situation, I can pay down to that situation. I mean, this is, you know, only $400 above the, the pay-down defenses this week. Um and obviously a far cry from the pay-up defenses. So I think the Colts, I haven't heard anybody else say it, so I'm just going to mention it. Um, I think the Colts' defense is not a bad pay-down defense this week, um, for what it's worth. Okay, so I jumped uh, out of the Green Bay game and did the Colts-Vikings there. So let me jump back into the Green Bay game just for a second to hit the Lions side of that thing. Um, I think Hawkinson is really in play here. Um, and I think he's going to be low-owned this week because there's so many good tight ends and everybody wants to pay down to tight end, which, by the way, is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. A lot of really good tight ends you can pay down to. Um, however, you know, if say you're doing a Rodgers-Adams stack or a Rodgers-MVS stack. If you're doing that, it's only going to work if Detroit plays ball. So you might as well bring back a Lion uh, because the only way that other stack is going to pay off is if Green Bay just has no conscience and throws all day no matter what, which I don't think happens, because I think they want to run. Um, so what we want is somebody on Detroit's side pushing. Uh, now, the three options I like on Detroit, in addition to Marvin Jones, who I think is always a, a, a decent play, especially when Galladay is out, um, but, you know, Green Bay strength at corner, I don't know how much I want to do that. I am more into maybe throwing the Cephas pitch at 3,800 units, which, quite frankly, I'm probably not going to do. But I think I'd rather do that versus uh, Jones. But the two guys I'm looking at, um, Hawkinson I mentioned at 5,200 units. Now, he's up this week, but why do we like him? Well, Green Bay gives up tight end production. And Detroit needs places to throw the ball without Galladay. It's really that simple. So I don't see how Hawkinson coming off a game where every time they targeted him, something good happened. Why would they target him less here without Galladay in a game where they're probably where they conceivably could be trailing multiple scores? So I think it really, you know, Detroit wants to slow the game down, but at some point they're not going to have a choice. And I think that puts Hawkinson in play. And then the other guy who I think psychologically he dropped the game winner last week, and everybody's like, oh, Detroit's an RBBBC, blah, 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 blah. And you know what? That's totally true on both counts. Here's the thing. Swift's at 4,900 units. He's the receiving back on a team where he's also the rookie that they want to get going. He's their big rookie, right? So this is going to be a game where game script most likely is going to pull away from you. You're going to be chasing. 
Now, if you're chasing, are you going to give the ball to Carrion Johnson and Adrian Peterson? If you're chasing? Only if you're a real idiot are you going to do that. I mean, this game, if it goes according to flow, Swift is going to end up being the back in the second half for the Lions. And he's cheap at 4900 and he's a, an absolute stud catching the football. So, you know, would it shock me if Swift saw, like, again, if the game script script hits the way we think it might, in that game script scenario, could he could he get like eight targets? Yeah, he could. He could also get some carries against some light boxes. And he's a good running back. He's not just a guy. He's a guy who can make you miss. And he's got some speed. So, you know, to me, and again, I haven't heard anybody mention this guy's name. So I, I have a feeling he's going to be fairly low on just because I don't think a lot of the big dogs, you know, who are, you know, moving ownership are really saying much about him. Um, so for me, DeAndre Swift, 4,900 units in a game where they should be trailing, um, particularly as maybe a correlation stacking piece if you're going to, you know, roster Adams. Because, again, Adams is a good play, but I think I like the idea of, you know, using correlation pieces with him because we need something. Like, Devontae's great. He's going he's gonna to be hugely efficient, and he's going to crush as long as they use him. But we need them to need to use him. So for that, we need Detroit to go off. For Detroit to go off, somebody needs to go off on their team. I think, from a standpoint of cost, uh, Hawkinson and Swift make a lot of sense. Okay, uh, the other game I skipped over when we just jumped down to uh, the Colts in my uh, Taylor excitement uh, was the Jaguars um, at the Titans. Now, this is a game I think... There are a lot of reasons to avoid it. You've got teams, both of them like to play slow, right? And you've got the divisional angle, so they might even not want to break out all their tricks. So this could be, this game could conceivably be a little bit vanilla. Um, you know, you're the Titans and you don't have A.J. Brown. The one thing you know you can do is hammer Henry. And it's a good, it's a, you know, good mode of conduct for the Titans, but it shortens the game up, you know, for us. Um, so certainly Henry getting 25 plus touches in this game and crushing is a good idea. I plan on using plenty of Derrick Henry, probably in my cash lineup, certainly in some GPPs. Uh, Janu Smith at 4,200 is live with AJ Brown out because you're going to have thinner target distribution. By the way, if you're thinking about Derrick Henry, if they get ahead, Darrington Evans is out. So um, really, uh, other than McNichols, they don't really have anybody to play for him. Um, but the A.J. Brown thing's a big deal. Janu Smith should get a couple extra targets. Uh, Corey Davis at that 4K floor. A lot of people are going to either play Corey Davis or be nervous that they didn't this week. Probably I'm going to be in that second category because, again, I think this game could be slow. And even if Davis is playing well, it's going to be easy for other things to happen here, right? Um, and But the one play I think that's important to remember with this team is the Adam Humphreys um, factor. You know, he's a factor no matter what. But, you know, usually just a you know, handful of targets, not a ton of big play upside. But in a game like this, with A.J. Brown out, Humphreys is going to own the slot. He should get all the slot. And with a thin target distribution of just him, Davis, and Janu Smith, and really, you know, you know, like Ferkser, you know, fringe receivers. I mean, Humphreys, I'd be surprised if Humphreys didn't catch five balls in this game. Now, it might be five for 48. But I'll tell you what, 5 for 48 at 3,400 units will pay off. 
at least on some level. So I think if you're getting yourself down, you're like, oh man, this is a perfect lineup, but I need a 3,400 unit receiver. Guess what? There is one this week. Uh, you know, I there is an element of putting Humphreys in my lineup limits upside at a position. And on a week like that, I don't like to limit upside at any position. So it's not optimal. But if you've got, say, an eight-man optimal lineup that put you down to 3,400 at receiver, hmm, in that scenario, I could see it. I could see it being a good thing. Um, on the other side of the ball, um, I think certainly Sharks always in play. Um, I don't like this game for Shark, only in that I think it's going to be a short game. Um, I do think he can do well against, um, you know, uh, the Titans secondary. they got some issues in that secondary. So Shark, if you want to go there, certainly in seasonal you're not pulling Shark. No way. Uh, but the guys on the Jacksonville side that have my eye... Um, LaVisca, if I want to pay down, the only problem with that is he's in the Scotty Miller zone. I don't know if I could play him over Scotty Miller. I just don't think I can. We'll get to that later. Um, but Robinson at 4,400, there could be some scenarios where that could be helpful. This guy, to, for him to get less than 15 touches, I, I'm not sure how to even figure out a way to get him to less than 15 touches. You know, because basically what he doesn't do, Chris Thompson has to do. And they don't want Chris Thompson. They want, they want to target Chris Thompson seven times. That's what they want to do. And that's it. Um, so I think Robinson's just like almost a lock for like 70% of the playing time. Some of that's going to include targets. My guess for him is 14 carries, six targets. That's pretty good. And I think he's got upside for more carries. Um, and he's got some touchdown equity, you know. Granted, this is a tough matchup. So you don't want to go, I'm not saying use a ton of Robinson, but he could be a conduit. He could be a guy who helps you to certain lineup constructions, and the only downside to it is that you've got a running back who's probably going to get 16 touches. Um, so, you know, think about that. There is another cheap running back we can use in a similar way, by the way, and we'll get to him later. And now for the game everyone will be talking about, the Bills at the Dolphins. Just kidding. Um... This is another game where I really don't want to get involved if I can help it. Uh, I feel like it's a division game. It's ugly. It's slow. Both teams like to run. I mean, granted, there's plenty of turnover potential if you wanted to get involved defensively. You know, I mean, you know, if you wanted to pay all the way down, I think the Dolphins is probably the team to do it with. Um, you know, at least you got the Josh Allen turnovers, you know, as a way they could pay off, um, you know. Strip sack fumbles are always in play with him. So, you know, paying down for the Dolphins, I could see it. I could see that. Um, and then on the other side, the, you know, the Bills certainly have all kinds of potential to go to go nuts defensively with, with you know, Fitz Tragic uh, under center. But the thing is, i got to pay up to 3900 for the Bills, man. That's, I, I don't like it enough to pay up that high on a week where there's so many good things to do with my money. That's that's basically the move here. Um, as far as the running backs here, it's too much sharing going on. Parker's out. You know, Tredavious White, t too easy for him to shut down. Williams, um, you know, if I, you know, Josh Allen is certainly a play here. You know, if you wanted to go Josh Allen, I'm not going to give you any argument whatsoever. Um, you know, the price is, is reasonable, 6700 I'm having trouble loving Allen when I can get Kyler for 600 cheaper, but certainly some Allen stacks um, are, are, you know, worth a look. Um, you know, as for which way to stack them, I think we're getting 
I probably there's too much good receiver value out there to worry about a stack. If I'm playing Allen, I'm probably going to do it. Um, I'm probably just going to do it naked. Um, and let's just leave this game because we're hurting for time. There's more I can say, but that's pretty much. I mean, to me, it's the two defenses here and Allen. If you want to go there, um, and quite frankly, probably some Allen exposure and GPPs for me, and that's it with this game. Um, <laughs> the next game, oh boy. Jets football, morbidly fascinating since 1970. Um, <laughs> the Jets are home to the 49ers, and, you know, certainly uh, the 49ers defense has got to be considered to be in play here. I mean, there's, there's, there's no way around that. Um, now, they're going to cost you 4 k um, so it really, it, it's a price-considered thing. I mean, I, you know, I, would I like to play the 49ers defense here? Absolutely. Do I want to spend up to 4K? Nah, probably I don't. Um, for the same reason I didn't really want to spend up for the Bills. Um, this is going to be a slow-paced game. It's going to be an ugly football game. What the 49ers want to do is expose themselves as little as possible and make sure they get the win, okay? They want to run the football, look for a ton of outside zone against the Jets. The Jets are tough to run on inside. they got a lot of beef, but they're not great against the run overall. You just need to get to the edges and get to the second level, and you can clean up, okay? So I think... Shanahan's going to understand this. I think they're going to be able to run. I think you're going to see a lot of all three backs. Um, Mostert, to me, is overpriced in that. They should be able to put this thing away. There's no need to use Mostert. Any of their backs should get it done here. Um, Jarek, Tevin, Mostert, all of them. I expect to see plenty of all three, but not a ton of anybody. Um, Ayuk at 4,300 is probably going to play. If I thought they were going to throw the ball 30 times, I'd say maybe he's worth a shot. Um, if they were going to throw it 40 times, I'd say get him in there. But I think you definitely have to potential. This, this game has the potential for like 22 passes or something insane. Okay. Um, so I'm not, there's just too many great plays in that, you know, four to five K area for me to reach for Ayuk this week, uh, on a week where everything sucked and we were just looking for decent plays. It could be something, but nah, not, not with this. The interesting stuff in this game really is twofold. Well, meaning each team has some interesting stuff. Read on the, the, the San Francisco side. Kittle's out. We know that. Um, the Jets can't cover anybody. They certainly can't cover tight ends. The best guy they had, they gave to Seattle. Um, Adams is gone. Uh, their corners stink. Um, you know, they can't, they're not going to get any real pass rush, even with the problems the 49ers have in the offensive line. So, uh, and if they do, and, and the thing is, even if they're getting some pass rush, that's all the more reason for them to target Reed in the short areas. So, uh, Jordan Reed didn't do a ton last week, but I, I had eyes on him. He looked good getting out of his breaks. So if you're looking for a cost saver at tight end, if your goal is to pay down, it's to me. It's either Reed at twenty six hundred or Mo Alley at three K. I think Reed's the one with a little bit more of a floor, a little bit more. Um, you know, and again, you know, how many places do San Francisco have to throw to? They are going to have to throw a little bit. Um, so to me, Reed is is really the guy to focus on there. Twenty six hundred. So even if he comes up with just like two catches for seventeen yards at twenty six hundred, that's not killing you. You're still in the game. Um, and if he happens to have a big game, oh baby, you're spiking the football. So I think Reed's something you need to know on the Frisco side. And then on the Jets side, uh, Chris Herndon at 3,400 is sort of similar to Reed in that, okay, it might not be the most exciting thing in the world, but the, I mean, for the Jets, the, you know, their high-end pick, Mims, he's out, right? 
you know, their, their high-volume target, Crowder, he's out. The only guys the Jets really have to throw to are Herndon and Brashad Perryman, both dirt cheap. So it's really a shame. You know, there are a lot of weeks where I would kill to have Herndon in this position or Perryman in this position. This week, you know, there, there are other options. But still, I think, I, you know, I think the field will be on Herndon. I don't know how much the field is going to be on on Perryman. I do think both of them will draw some ownership. Neither one will draw a lot. Um, if that matters to you. Uh, but on the Jets side of the football, that's where you want to be, either Herndon or Perryman, Perryman or nothing at all. Uh, and for me on the Frisco side, it's really, it's probably either Reed or nothing at all um, for me. I mean, Mostert can do it just on a couple plays, and it's possible. But, I, you know, I don't think he's going to get more than 15 touches in this game. I, I don't even know that he'll get that um, for what it's worth. You know, and one angle that I didn't even get into um, with the 49ers is that with Kittle out, you know, their run blocking takes a hit. Um, if you go back and look at all of their big smash running plays, like 25, 30% of them, Kittle's in there making like a stone block somewhere. So, you know, um, it's it's worth factoring in. You know, Kittle is a monster. We love him for DFS. He's also part of the engine of their blocking scheme. Um, and sometimes their pass protection scheme. I mean, basically, whatever they whatever they tell him to do, he crushes, no matter what. He's so freaking good. Anyway, let's 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 jump down to the Rams at the Eagles. Um, if there's a game on the slate, I probably haven't spent enough time on. Maybe it's this one. This thing's still evolving. Um, Philadelphia, the offensive line slowly getting healthier, which is good. They're going to need it. Aaron Donald's in town. Um, the pieces I really like in this game on the Rams side, I'm staying away from that stew at running back. Uh, I'm not confident enough in Cup right now. Not to mention, you know, Cup is priced like up. You know, like why why would I go to Cooper Cup when I can play Woods cheaper? I just you know the only reason for that would be some type of game theory thing, and I'm just not that smart. So for me, Woods at 64 is in play, really across the spectrum. You know, I think he's a reasonable play in tournaments. I think he's a, a damn good play in cash if you can fit him in in a way that looks good. Um, the other guy in the Rams who I sort of like is Higby. Um, uh, Philly is susceptible to tight ends. I thought Hig Higby looked a lot better than his numbers last week. The other tight end is banged up. I think he's a good bet to play 90% of the snaps here. Um, uh, and 4700 is 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 certainly not priced out of the moon. So many good plays at tight end this week. In fact, leaving tight end as your last position filled can work this week from a lineup um, construction point of view because when you look at the tight end position as a whole, so I'm just going to get away from the slate walk here just for a second to fill just to to you know fill in the point I'm talking about. I like the elite plays, Kelsey and Andrews, it's 7,000 and 6,300 respectfully. I like the mid-range plays of Hawkinson and Jared Cook, uh, perhaps owning the end zone, and Hayden Hurst at 4,600, right? And Higby at 47. That zone is good. If we dump down more, I like Jenny Smith at 42. In the mid-threes, Herndon, Logan Thomas, who's totally legit, O.J. Howard, wonderful sort of GPP pivot play. Um, and then if we go all the way down to the basement, Mo Alley-Cox and even further down Reed. So there really isn't an area of, and I didn't even talk about Hunter Henry at 5,100, right? Another good play. And, and there's good plays that I didn't hit just now, okay? There's so many reasonable ways to play the tight end position this week that one way from a lineup construction point of view to use the position to your advantage is to fill it last. You know, make a great lineup and say, well, all right, does one of the tight ends I like fit in here? The odds are they will, <laughs> okay? Uh, just something to think about. If you're having trouble 
finishing lineups, if you're having trouble getting to good places, try leaving tight end for last. Might work. Um, on the Philadelphia side of this matchup, oh, and by the way, I think the Rams defense, you know, given that Philly might have some internal issues, uh, Aaron Donald, that whole thing, I think, you know, the Rams as a sub 3K play, I think is one of the better ones. Um, you know, I think it, really in that area, I think Rams and also Tampa. Tampa could be another one. Um, but on the Eagles side of the ball here, I think Miles Sanders at 6K, um, we talked about the big three. Everybody's going to be running after Henry and Zeke uh, and the FOMO, 5,700, Jonathan Taylor. Um, so in GPPs, I think in particular, uh, pivoting away from these guys could be beneficial to you. If you're someone where ownership is a big deal for you, You know, going down to Sanders at 6K, there's re-injury risk. But apart from that, I think the Rams are actually someone you can run on right now. Um, Sanders is a good bet to probably get near that 20-touch area. Um, So paying off at 6K for him in this matchup is not going to be hard to do. If he happens to hit, you'll save some money off the big dogs and create some differentiation for yourself. So I think Sanders is someone you need to at least consider, if not use. Um, People will be running away from DJX. He's up 200 bucks off a bad week, but he's going to be healthier in a game where his skill set is actually more in play. It sounds counterintuitive. You'd think, oh, you know, DJX is better in a revenge game against the Washington football team than he is against a defense like the Rams. But the truth of the matter is, uh, you know, you can if you can just slow Donald down, you can deal with the Rams. You can just you can roll your pocket away from the guy. You can do a lot of different things. Washington was hitting you from all angles. They've got a lot of they've got a lot of horses. So, you know, with the Rams, if you can just buy some time, they're very attackable downfield. Um, you know, I could see um, Rieger at forty one hundred and Djax at fifty one hundred, both being interesting guys. Uh, there's a lot of more popular players in those price ranges. Um, I wouldn't go near these guys in cash, but in GPP plays, um, f- as GPP plays, I, I think they're both viable. Okay, only five games left. <laughs> Hopefully my voice uh, holds up here. I'm starting to lose it a little bit, and i got to save some of it for tomorrow morning. i got the, I got my live show, and then I might be doing another pod for you guys. So um, I'm going to try to try to use some word economy to get out the door here. Um Supposed to have 15 minutes left. I do think for what it's worth, and if anybody's getting tired of the slate walk, you might want to skip to the end because I am going to do a little wrap-up at the end, um, which will probably have some value, especially if you're a casual player. Um, Denver at Pittsburgh. Whew. (laughs) Man, this should be at Denver. This isn't even fair at Pittsburgh. Um, Would love to get into the Pittsburgh running game, but it's really tough to tell what's going on there. Um, If you want to be a a rambler and a gambler, you could go with either Connor or Snell. If one of them happens to grab all the juice, particularly if it would be Snell, you you could do really well there. But there's so many good plays, it's hard to go down that road. Uh, Pittsburgh defense at 3,800 units certainly is in play at home against a young quarterback. The the thing about Denver, you know, Locke hasn't been a pick machine. Uh, He hasn't taken a lot of sacks. Uh, Denver protects well from a scheme point of view. They got a good offensive line coach. He used, you know, and you know, the Steelers is a place Munchak used to be. So this is a point of pride for him. You're not Denver is not going to show up ill-prepared here. They are undermanned, though. So uh, the Steelers are going to win this battle. They're going to win this game. Um, And, you know, how do we want to get involved? You know, for me, probably not a ton. Certainly on the Denver side, other than maybe Fant, who 
this week isn't really on my list, uh, although he will be on a lot of weeks. Um, you know, Melvin certainly has got volume in this game going for him, but against the Steelers, eh, probably not. Uh, on the Steelers' side, I mentioned Deontay at 45. Everybody's going to be on him. I will have some of that action for sure. And just the cost consideration here is ridiculous. I mean, this this guy should be priced at about... 59 62 something like that in that area so he's way discounted for a guy who's a huge talent uh, in a good matchup position um, coming off a 10 target week so Deontay clearly is a guy you need to think about um, and definitely get some exposure to and then because everybody's going to be running to Deontay at 4500 units and because Juju isn't priced up in the place where he sometimes is you know, I think in GPPs, a pivot to Juju, again, if ownership percentages are something you really care about, um, did you notice a bug just flew by my face? <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, I think Juju, you know, is worth sort of a game theory play uh, in GPPs because I don't think people are going to be on him. It doesn't cost a lot to get to him. And I think his range of outcomes includes multiple touchdowns um, and hitting the bonus. So uh, for what it's worth, uh, don't forget about Juju. Um, and now we come to a game I think that is actually a really important game um, on this slate, even though the game itself is sort of weird. Um, we got Panthers at Tampa Bay. Um, right up the bat, I think Tampa Bay, as I mentioned before, their defense of 2,900 units um, is a pretty good bet in this game. I like the way Bridgewater played last week, but his ball placement was mediocre. Uh, he definitely left some passes in places where he didn't want to. He got away with it last week. Might not get away with it against this team and their aggressiveness. They could force him into some even wider scatter shot, um, and I could see some big plays for the Tampa Bay defense. So I think 2,900 units on Tampa makes sense on the defensive end. Carolina, we've got a 10K CMC with a lot of other, other good options. He's going to draw ownership because he's Kurt, Christian McCaffrey. Um, I don't know how much McCaffrey I'm going to have. Normally I pay the 10K for him. I don't even think much about doing it. In this matchup, I don't like it as much, and there's a lot of good other places to go. I don't know if you'd call it a fade. I don't know if you can fade a guy at 10K, but I'm probably not going after McCaffrey at the levels I normally would. Um, and it's conceivable I don't put any of them at all out there. Um, on the uh, defensive side of the ball for Carolina, uh, Evan Silva pointed out to me that defensive tackle Quan Short, um, who Evan said is arguably their best defensive player, isn't going to be in there. There's one more reason um, why, why, you know, why Tampa is going to be able to move the ball, but it it brings up the one concerning element about this game. If you buy too heavy into Tampa, this thing could be over quick, okay? And at some point, with Kawan Short out, if Tampa gets up multiple scores, they're going to start hammering um, Rojo. I mean, you know, that's what they're going to do. And Rojo actually is coming in pretty cheap. Um, I should have him on my sheet, and I don't, so let me just double-check it. I think it's 5,200, um, but I don't want to say that and be wrong. I know I'm close. Um, let me just make sure I got this right. Um, where is he? Yeah, Rojo's 5,200. So look, one way to play this game is to fade everything and play Rojo. That is not a crazy thing to do uh, in a GPP. It really isn't. Um, the risk is that, you know, he could get volume and not hit, I suppose. But I do think he's going to be the lead guy. The Fournette thing says don't get too crazy with that. Don't build a bunch of Rojo teams. But I think, you know, one or two wouldn't be out of line. Um, 
you know, I'm saying that, but I can't tell you that I'm going to do it. There's a lot. And again, it goes back to the core thing this week. I've got a hundred ideas. Maybe I'm going to be able to execute 10 of them. That is the, 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 the problem this week is that it's hard to stay focused on a couple core ideas because there's so many good, potentially good ideas. Um, which is the reason I, I, you know what, we'll get to this later, but really you want to have a reason for everything you do this week. You don't want to just start making random lineups. Um, but back to Tampa. One of the notes I, I, I left myself, I'm looking at it right now, um, I think it's worth mentioning on the pod, is when I look at Tampa, I have to ask myself the question, Evans or Miller? Uh, Scotty Miller at 4,100 units with Godwin not going to play. We need to confirm that, that Godwin's out, but it sure sounds like he's out. He's doubtful. Um, 4,100 units on Scotty Miller. When I mean, him getting less than t- five targets in this game would shock me. Um, it, look, they've been talking this guy up. He's clearly a good little player. We all liked Scotty Miller last year, right? Now all of a sudden he's with a quarterback where he is like the archetype player for this particular guy and the normal slot's not going to play, right? So to me, you know, Scotty Miller at 4,100 is just screaming play me until I look at Mike Evans and realize, holy shit, Mike Evans is at 6,400 units and Godwin's not playing and Brady is pissed and he wants to show people he can still play. So like, yeah, at some point, I think Rojo could become a problem for us in this game. Like if, if we play Brady and we need him to go ham, he might not, like he may just go real good. And then, you know, the other quarterbacks are passing our guy in the fourth quarter, right? So I'm not really on Brady as a play. I'm on Brady as I think he's going to have a good day, and I want to get a I want to get a piece of it by either going Miller at 4100 or Evans at 6400. That's sort of my play. Now, is OJ Howard in playing GPPs at 3900? Hell yeah! And if if you've got a lineup where you're not using Evans or Miller, I think he's you know somebody you can consider. By the same token, and I, I know. I, I'm saying this, but I, I'd be lying if I said I'm looking to do it. But I, you know, I'd be negligent not to point out that, Gronk, that Gronkowski at 4100 is a similar play, um, and you know they may want to get him a touchdown or two. So there's a lot of good ways you can play Brady without God when it gets a little bit easier because we, we, you know, we distill, we reduce, and there are fewer guys to consider, which is good. Um, but still, there's a lot of ways this thing can go, and we could lose volume if this thing goes blowout. So I wouldn't lean in too heavy on this game as a game. I do think that most good lineups this week probably have either Evans or Miller in them. Most. Okay. Let's, let's jump into these 4 o'clock games, because <laughs> these games do not suck. Uh, up first, for the three late games, we've got Washington football team uh, at Arizona. And this is, uh, the theme of the late games is that we've got a high-scoring team and a lower-scoring team. We don't have any Vegas, you know, predicted shootouts here. But what we do have with Washington at Arizona is a game where both teams want to throw a lot. Uh, Arizona ups the pace big time. And Washington, I don't think, is going to do anything to really slow that pace down. I think most of their running is going to be in short yardage and near the goal line. I think they're going to do a lot of throwing. Um... So this game really is a game I want to be involved in. Uh, Kyler is the center of my quarterback um, program this week. I definitely will probably have more Kyler uh, than probably anything else. Um, probably Kyler and Lamar. Um, 
you know, with a little DAC and maybe a little bit of uh, uh, Josh Allen mixed in. I definitely am going to be focusing on the mobile quarterbacks this week. Uh, Konami code baby all the way. Um, now, when I do play Kyler, the one thing I, you know, I love Nuke. The question is, do you want to pay up for Nuke this week on a week where I might be able to get a lot of that going down the scale? Uh, I think a lot of people are going to be chasing Nuke after last week, um, and there are other places for the football to go on this team. You know, I mean, I, rather than I, a lot of people, I think are going to try to jump back on Kirk. I might just fade Nuke, stay away from Kirk, uh, and play Drake if I'm going to stack with Kyler. And I think naked Kyler is another way to go. And, and I'm not saying that Kyler Nuke is a bad stack. I just don't know that it's going to take us as far as we think. Um, you know, I, I might run one of them. I'm definitely not running more than one. Uh, but having said that, I'm going to have Kyler in a ton of lineups. Being able to pay down at quarterback and get Kyler Murray against this Washington team, I know a lot of folks are going to be like, well, their front their front four looked so good. Um, you know, they, they, they gave Wentz a lot of problems. But, you know, Kyler put up a bunch of you know, just clinic rushes on the 49ers last week. If you can do it against the 49ers, you can do it against Washington. Uh, the way I see this thing, again, high pace games, both teams I think should lean into that a little bit. And I, this is just my guess. We'll see if it works out. But my guess is that in the last third last 25% of this game, Kyler's going to start running and Washington's going to be gassed and they're not going to be able to do anything to stop it. The only way that doesn't happen is if Arizona's already pinned the needle on them in the first three quarters, in which case you probably did okay either way. So if Kyler is hurting going into the fourth quarter, I, th I think you've got plenty of hope because I think those, those, those big hogs are going to get tired and he is just way too fast. He's got way too much vision. Um, so I feel real good about Kyler in multiple game scripts here. Um, and you can protect yourself a little bit against the ground game strict gown, blah, blah, ground game script by just putting Drake in with him. Um, then you'll get the hookups and you'll get the rushing yards. Um, so I like the Kyler naked play. I like Kyler um, stacked with Drake. Um, and as far as bringbacks, I think this is a great game to do some bringbacks, right? So if I go Kyler, um, I'm going to consider McLaurin in a fast-paced game. Now he does get Patrick Peterson. So do we don't, we don't want to lean in on McLaurin and then we find out that, hey, Patrick Peterson found some good film on him and he's been frustrating McLaurin all day and we get screwed on our comeback. Like, I'm going to do a little bit of McLaurin, but I'm not going to lean in on it because I think Logan T is another one, right? Like, there's no reason. Logan Thomas got all those targets last week. He's 3,600 units. He's a tight end, by the way, if you, for those of you who haven't picked up on it. I, he's another way to do it. But then I think the other way, and I'm probably going to just sort of mix this up and take equal portions of, of each one. Uh, but, you know, everybody is going to run away from Antonio Gibson because they got burned last week, right? But he was in an ugly game last week. It was his first game in the NFL. And it turned out that a lot of the running back scoring opportunities were from really close in, and you had to know those were going to Barber, right? But in a game like this, where they could be chasing, and there could be tons and tons and tons of plays, even if he has the same role, he's going to get more touches. Right? And at 4,300 units, this could be a guy with blow-up potential, but he's probably going to pay off even in a bad scenario. And for those of you who are into ownership rates, I think he's going to be low-owned this week. So for those of you who were smart like me or lucky like me, one or the other, and didn't do anything with Gibson last week, 
I think this week there's an opportunity because the, the game structure here could yield enough snaps where this guy could get 10 targets. He could definitely get 15 touches. And at 4,300 units, only a couple of them have to go off well for it to pay off well. And, you know, I mean, this guy's got enough talent, enough juice, where if we get a little bit lucky and he gets touches in the right spots, he could make three or four or five big plays. So I think some exposure to Antonio Gibson is a really good way to A, break up that three big back lineup structure and work yourself into some different type of lineup con constructions, which will get you access to different players, because there are a lot of good players we want access to this week. And I also think it's just sort of a good play. Um, so again, don't forget about this game from its upscale pace potential. There's going to be a lot of plays here. Kyler's really good against cost. Drake is good against cost. Um, remember, Drake played seven. Like everybody's a little up on Edmonds because he played well last week, and he absolutely did. But if you look at a lot of Edmonds' big plays, Drake was on the field too. Drake played 71% of the plays. So he was he got all the role we needed him to get last week. Don't forget that. Um, is there anything else on this game? I don't really want to get into the defenses. You could play the Arizona defense, I suppose. Um but that, that's about it for this one. Let's go down to Chiefs and uh, the Chargers, which is which is obviously a big game. Now, you're never going to get an argument from me on playing Pat Mahomes or Tyreek Hill. And, you know, on a week like this, if you wanted to go out and stack them, I mean, I don't think it's the best week to do it from a game environment kind of point of view, but I think they're going to be low-owned because some of these other games are so good. You know, the problem is, you know, we, we've talked about this before, the nature of the Chargers' defense, they tend to keep everything in front of them, they tackle well, um, they're generally fairly tight, you have to really earn it against them. I expect the Chiefs to do very well, I expect them to score a lot of points, but I'm more focused on maybe paying, uh, paying up to Kelsey, maybe taking a dart throw on one of the other receivers, um, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for me is 7,400 in this game, is a nice pivot off of some of the more expensive running backs, he could return uh, in the same kind of area there. Um, he separated himself last week from Williams pretty well. Um, so I think, you know, CEH in this game is very much in play for me. Kelsey, if I can get there on a couple lineups, is in play. That's pretty much, for the most part, where I want to be. Um, on the other side of the ball, uh, you know, Eckler, I can see a lot of reasons why Eckler makes sense. It disturbs me that he wasn't as heavily used last week as I wanted him to be. Um, I think Hunter Henry on the other side of the football, 5,100 units. We talked about him before. Lots of good tight end plays this week. He's definitely one of them. Um, and then the guy I like the most in this game, just because I think he fits the eventual game script, and I love the way he's being used. And again, so many of these receivers in the 4,000 area just priced to sell. Like This is why like I know some people are really into this idea of playing Corey Davis. I mean, I'm not paying. I'm not paying four thousand for Corey Davis when all I have to do is find two hundred more, and I can get to Mike Williams, who I think is going to probably see you know like seven targets in this game, maybe more, against a defense that you know can be beat on the back end. Uh, he's got a mobile quarterback, so he's going to get some pops off. And Williams' targets are shots downfield, and he right now is playing well. Uh, he came out of last week's game in good shape. Not on the injury report this week, you know. 
I definitely want to get a piece of Mike Williams and some GPPs uh, this week. Just one more guy I'm trying to fit in. There are so many of them. Um, okay, I know we're running out of time here. We're already over the time limit of my, I set for myself, and I want to go through some stuff after uh, the slate. So uh, last game on the Sunday slate. Uh, I'm not doing the night games or the Monday. Um, night game or the Monday game. Um, Baltimore at Texans. Um this is an important game. There are, in my opinion, some important players to discuss here. First of all, David Johnson. Now, I know it's a tough matchup. It absolutely is a tough matchup. But DJ at, uh, at 5,800 units, that's pretty good action, okay? So I'm really looking at creating some Lamar lineups, um, paying up to Lamar when I can, Um and I'm thinking maybe of stacking this game a couple times, just because I don't think a lot of people are going to do it. And the only thing I need to have happen is for Houston to show up. And I know that they might not. But I think they've got a quarterback who can do so much on his own. They've got Will Fuller at 6,300. They've got DJ at 58. Um, now, I'm not rolling with Deshaun, but um, on the teams where I'm not using Kyler, a lot of them I think I'm going to go Lamar. And I'm going to want to stack him with either Hollywood, you know, or if not, then, you know, with the tight end. Um, so, you know, if, you know, either Lamar Andrews, Lamar Hollywood. And then I'm, I'm going to want to bring back a piece if I'm doing that stack. Because the stacks aren't really going to hit for us to the degree that we want them to unless Houston cooperates. So um, for the stack to work, Houston needs to work, so why not grab a piece? Uh, I think Fuller is probably the best piece, but I think DJ's right behind. I think both will be low ownership, and both have low cost for their ceiling. Um, remember, um, now the one thing with DJ, you know what, we should throw this in, sorry. Um, if Duke Johnson plays, I think DJ is probably a little bit less exciting, but if Duke Johnson's out, we're talking full workload at 5,800, and, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy who's going to be targeted in a come-from-behind effort. I mean, I would imagine that DJ and Fuller would command about half the targets in a come-from-behind effort. Um, and that's about it. I don't want to get into any of the Baltimore backs until that thing shakes itself out a little bit, not for DFS purposes. Um, so let's get into just the position groups, how I see a couple things. Five minutes of that, and we'll get you guys out of here. Okay, so before we get into the five positions, just real quick, um, like I said, when we opened uh, the podcast, I was thinking about using Kink's Big Sky as the lead-in, just because I felt like this really is a big sky field. It's tough to really get the whole thing in your mind. There's so many different ways you can go. And on a week like this, when there's so many different ways you can build great lineups, there's so many different things that are going to hit, you know some people are going to be putting up big scores. Um, the cash lines last week were low. You know, this week, you know, you're going to need more points because the pricing is so loose at receiver um, that people are going to be able to create a lot of really good lineups. Some of those things are going to hit. It's going to push the scores up. Um, so, you know, for me, you know, we think ceiling in GPP, floor, um, you know, in cash. And yeah, in general, that's a good way of thinking. But this week, you really, even in GPPs, you've got to be floor conscious, floor and ceiling. It can't be about floor. It can't be about ceiling. It's got to be about both. Um, even in cash. In cash, you can't be just floor. We need ceiling in our cash lineups this week. Or you can have a good week in cash and not cash this week. I'm telling you right now, do not... 
just play it too safe. You've got to, and, when I, and I'm not saying you want to take chances in cash. I'm saying you need to isolate options where you're getting floor and you also have ceiling. A lot of it is out there this week. The good players are going to do that. If you come in mediocre this week, a week where you normally would just sneak over that line, you're going to lose is my, is my gut feeling. Okay. Um, you know, it's easy to put good lineups together this week for everybody. So, you know, I would say if you, if you don't usually play a ton of lineups, this isn't a week to just go play a ton of lineups because they look good. Everybody's lineups are going to look good. Stay within your zone. Perfect your lineups. Confront the difficult choices. As I say, sweep the corners. You know, every week I try to come up with like a little bit of a mantra for myself. Don't forget this player. Don't forget this game. That kind of thing. My mantra for this week, I'll just share it with you guys. I don't know if it works for you, but for me, it's every team has a theme. I don't want to just be going, hey, I have good players in this lineup and I like them and I wanted more exposure to a couple of them, so I'm going to play this lineup. No, no. Does the lineup work as a lineup? You know, are the correlations making sense? Because these games have shapes this week. Some of them are pretty obvious in terms of how they're going to play out. You want your lineups to fit those things. Um, and, you know, it's a week where it's re reducing is always so important to, you know, for lineup construction to get it down into what are my best plays. So when you start making lineups, you're keeping your best plays in most of your lineups. You know, it's harder to do this week because there are more good plays. So, you know, on a week where, you know, such strong plays are in such abundance, um, you know, how do we actually narrow it down? Well, you do it by grinding. And look, no matter what you choose, there's going to be some FOMO. You're going, to, you're going to leave some good stuff on the table this week. Just make sure you have good reasons for doing what you're doing. Um, you know, th this is one of those weeks that you can get into trouble because there's so many good options. You just go, okay, I'm going to play more. Well, unless you do it right, playing more will just mean losing more. So, you know, it's, it's still a week to grind. Just because there's a lot of good options doesn't mean you do less work. The reality is you probably should do more. Okay, um, so preaching over, let's get into these position groups. Uh, we'll start a quarterback. Now, I have a lot of guys at quarterback I'm willing to consider this week. In fact, I've got nine of them. Real quick, uh, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Daniel Jones, Mitchell Trubisky. Now, most of these guys have the possibility of getting into a stack here or there. For the most part, my plans this week are to play Lamar and Kyler and some Josh Allen. That's my intention going in. That's where I want to build most of my lineups. Now, am I willing to take on some Dak? Definitely. Am I willing to take on a little bit of Rodgers? Maybe. Um, if I get into the Pittsburgh receivers, I may just decide to stack with Roethlisberger. Same thing, uh, I may decide to run a river stack. I, Daniel Jones on some level interests me if he gets hot. Uh, Trubisky, like I said, if I use his receivers, I'll probably stack with him. So these guys most of these guys have a chance to get into like maybe one of my lineups. But for the most part, Lamar and Kyler really is where the rubber meets the road for me. I'm a Konami code guy. I'm a foot point guy. You guys know that. Um, okay, let's jump over to receivers. And man, oh man, I, 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 it's going to sound like I haven't narrowed this down. But I mean, right now I've got like almost 30 receivers that I'm willing to play. Um, a couple of them are really long shots. But I mean... Devante, Julio, Mike, Mike Evans, Calvin Ridley, Juju, Allen Robinson, Hollywood Brown, Amari, Robert Woods, Will Fuller, McLaurin, Hilton, Mike Williams, Gallup, Deontay, Darius Slayton, Paris Campbell, Scotty Miller, C.D. Lamb, Marvin Jones, LaVisca, MVS, Deshaun Jackson, Brashad Perryman, Rieger, Corey Davis, 
in a really weird situation that might throw Miko Hardman at 38 or Quintez Cephas at 38, or Bashad Perryman at 38, and even in a weirder situation, maybe Adam Humphreys at 34. That's pretty much my board. I didn't even mention Adam Thielen and a couple other guys. I mean, so many receivers you can play this week, and you're doing a perfectly legitimate, perfectly smart thing. Now, the guys who I'm more focused on, Devontae, Julio, Evans, Hollywood, Robert Woods, Mike Williams, Deontay, Paris, Scotty Miller, C.D. Lamb, MVS. Those are probably my core guys, but I'm going to go off that list, you know, on more than uh, an occasion, okay? Um, but those are, you know, that second group, the guys I listed twice, those are the ones I'm most on. Um, and I'm really still trying to eliminate receivers. There's so many good options. They're really well-priced, um, you know, but really the key thing is understanding that there's so much value uh, in that 4 to 5k area and even on lineups where I choose to put in some high-priced receivers and fade some of the high-priced running backs even in those lineups I'm still going to need a cheap receiver or two all right let's look at some of these running backs obviously um, Zeke Elliott's up at the top of my list 8200 units uh, not hard to fit him in this week. He's in the great game. Um, I'm going to have a lot of Zeke Elliott this week. I'm going to have to find a reason to take him out of any lineup, including cash. Derrick Henry, not much different. I'm going to need to have a reason to take him out. 7,900 units feels cheap. Uh, no backup, really no backup running backs there. A.J. Brown not there. Um, Derrick is going to eat. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, definitely on my list. Um, probably could be my most popular running back in lineups after after the big three that I've mentioned a couple times, uh, big three being Zeke, Henry, and Taylor. Um, Saquon Barkley, I think, is worth noting just because you can pivot from Zeke in a GPP, and if he hits, you could be doing really well. I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to do that, but it's the kind of thing you have to at least consider. Uh, Aaron Jones is a good start. He's well-priced. Uh, th there are ways it can go wrong, but I think he's an effective pivot away from Devontae and some of these big running backs. Um, uh, Jonathan Taylor, obviously. Miles Sanders at 6K, I think uh, another effective pivot. Um, not a lot of people will be on him. They're scared of the hamstring. He, he's got negative vibes, but sound like he could have played last week. He's healthy this week. The matchup is good. Uh, Sanders is somebody I will definitely have more than just one or two shares of. Uh, Todd Gurley is an effective way to play some of the angles in that Atlanta game. I didn't think he looked great, but he looked okay. Van Der Esch is out. Uh, definitely some good reasons to keep Zeke in your portfolio this week. If you're not going heavy, I understand. I probably won't either, but there's going to be some Zeke out there. Excuse me, some Gurley out there. Um, Kenyon Drake, uh, I like him really in any Kyler lineup uh, as a way uh, to stack and know you're going to get something. Um, David Johnson, I don't know if I'll use him outside of Lamar Stacks, but I definitely will use him on some, particularly um, if the other Johnson, Duke Johnson, is out. Uh, Ronald Jones is someone I'm thinking about one of those things where I know it's a good idea. I'm not sure if I have the guts to do it. Uh, James Robinson, if you need to pay down at running back and you still want some guaranteed volume, he's the way to go. Um, Swift, as I mentioned to you, I think is sort of a game. Uh, the way that game will play out, I think he's going to be a factor. Um, and I think he's going to be low-owned. So if you have the guts, you can pay down to running back and conceivably get a guy who's going to get a bunch of targets. Um, and then the last one is Antonio Gibson. 
uh, I went into why uh, on him. So that's really my core. Um, I think, you know, that group, and I think of that group outside of the big three, the names you're going to see in my lineups the most are Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Miles Sanders, uh, Kenyon Drake, um, and then um, Antonio Gibson, um, Robinson, and a little Swift. Okay. Um, let's get into some tight ends and some defenses. We'll get you guys out of here. Now, when we look at the tight ends, once again, this is a situation where I haven't narrowed this thing down a ton because there are so many good places to play. Um, real quick, the guys that I like, uh, Kelsey at 7K, Andrews, Mark Andrews at 63, Hawkinson at 52, Cook at 53, Hayden Hurst at 46, Higby at 47, Janu at 42, um, Herndon at 34, Logan Thomas at 36, O.J. Howard at 39, Jordan Reed at 26, Mo Cox at 3K, and uh, also Hunter Henry at 51 um, is important to note. Um, and that isn't even all the viable plays. There are more viable plays out there. These are the ones that I'm most interested in. Um, of this group, it was if it was just a matter of which tight end do I want to play this week, uh, probably the ones I like the most in a GPP, probably Janu at 42, but I don't think I'll use use them in cash. Um, I love Hawkinson this week, but there's so many other good plays. One of the things I like about Hawkinson is I don't think people are going to be on him. I think paying up at tight end this week because of the loose pricing is something not a lot of people are going to do, but it could end up being a sharp move. Um, Mark Andrews, I haven't talked a lot about, but at 6,300, you pay up to him. I don't think that many people are going to go with you, and there are ways to find value where you don't even feel that payup too bad. So there are a lot of approaches at tight end that are going to work. And I'm probably going to be all over the spectrum. I'm going to have lineups where I'm paying all the way down to Reed, and I'm going to have lineups where I'm play, paying all the way up to Mark Andrews, maybe even some Kelsey. Um, and that's just the way the position is. Now, I'm a little bit frustrated that I didn't narrow wide receiver down more for you guys, um, but... In the case of the tight ends, that's the intent. There's just a lot of good plays here. And, you know, my advice would be don't get fixated on trying to find the skeleton key play at tight end. Use the fact that there's a lot of good plays and the fact that the pricing is spread pretty evenly across the spectrum. Use that for you. Tight end should be sort of an easy find this week. And one good way to, you know, it's a good week to not go all in on one tight end because a lot of them will end up hitting. Um... Anyway, that's going to do it for the big four. Let's just, before we leave, let's just talk about some defenses for a second. So, like with the tight ends, I think defenses, you have options throughout the cost spectrum. 49ers, Bills, Steelers uh, at the top, I think, are all pretty good plays. Ravens at 3,600, if you want to dump, jump down a little bit, they're going to get some sacks. They certainly have the potential to create some turnovers. Um, uh, the Chiefs, I think, are a pretty good play um, at uh, 3,400. Uh, the Buccaneers at 29, I think, are a good play. Uh, Rams at 28, although I think the Bucks are stronger to the extent where I'm always going to try to find a way to spend that $100. Um, and then you really, at that point, have to go down. For me, the Colts uh, are very much in play at 2,500. And then if I'm going all the way down, I'm probably going to the Dolphins. And that, my friends... Um, you know, the, old la the last thing I would say is that this is a week where you don't want to get too cute. You know, focus on the things um, 
you know, that have been making money for us in the past, you know, running backs in the flex, stacking is a great idea this week, stacking correlation, bringing guys back against your quarterback, using those Konami code guys, um, considering paying up for tight ends and defenses uh, on particular lineup constructions. Um, all those things, I think, can help you work your way to the best possible lineup um, with a given starting point. And again, for me, the starting point often is quarterbacks or maybe my running running back grouping but for me i'm probably going to use the dallas atlanta game as a starting point for a lot of my builds this week um, so having that said um, there will be updates to the rotobahn week two lineup rankings that'll be coming up later today um, i'm probably gonna have a little quick bite and then uh, get into those they should be up in the early evening uh, i'll be on the air tomorrow morning with jim hackett we're going to cover a whole lot more stuff it'll be a little fresher if there's any breaking news between now and then and then obviously uh, we do it all over again next week we'll have big waiver wire next week um, and oh and i also have not ruled out the idea of a short a short podcast tomorrow morning if i do it it'll probably just be 10 or 15 minutes with some updates on what i told you here uh, so, as always, uh, thank you for being good enough to tune into the Rotobon podcast. Um, it's, a, it's a week where you really want to put in the time if you're going to play, uh, or just sort of limit your exposure to have fun with it. Uh, I think the dangerous thing this week is to play a lot of lineups without doing a lot of work. I think you could really get into trouble there for what it's worth. Um, but onward, upward, hopefully we are clinking glasses in the winner's circle, um, you know, tomorrow in the evening. Um, and uh, we'll see y'all next week. Giddy up. Yeah.